Welcome to the Speech Digest for the week of June 6, 2022. I'm Chris Campbell. Don't forget to follow Tales of the Tribunal on LinkedIn to stay up to date with news from around the international dispute resolution field. If you haven't already, take a moment to share the show with a friend or colleague. If you got any feedback for the show, drop us a line at talesofthetribunal at gmail.com. You already know the drill. Don't forget to leave us a review. It really helps others find the show. Now, let's jump in. We begin this week in Brazil, where there are some changes that will likely have a significant impact for how securities disputes are resolved in the country. Historically, securities disputes involving corporations in Brazil have been resolved via arbitration. It has been a hotly contested topic in the country whether or not arbitrations, and especially class action security arbitrations, should be disclosed. In particular, where such clauses involve confidentiality provisions. To address some of the concerns, the Brazilian Securities and Exchange Commission, CVM, published Resolution 80 on March 30th of this year, which established an entirely new regulatory framework for listed corporations and insurers of publicly traded securities on disclosures of information to the market. Schedule 1 of the resolution deals with class arbitrations on corporate disputes and created a bright line rule that in summary says that the fact that the arbitration clause or an other arbitral agreement or applicable rules provide for confidentiality shall not justify the failure to disclose the information regarding an existing arbitration, provided that such information is deemed to be relevant to according to the Brazilian Corporations Law or CBM regulation. Indeed, the applicable parties must disclose the notice of arbitration within seven days of the filing, but the parties and the values and assets of rights or the summary of the main fact finding for relief and other certain acts of the decisions of the arbitrators and other requirements are also required disclosures under the new provision. But disclosures must be at least responsive to the specific requirements laid out in the regulation. It seems that this is an effort to make a greater transparency overture for consumers and for the market in the Brazilian corporate space, and only time will tell if this was effective or not. From there, let's head just a bit north of Brazil to Mexico City, where the Mexico government is close to reaching a deal with the U.S.-based Talos Energy over the future of a potentially lucrative shared crude discovery project, the president said on Friday. The handling of the Zama project, a deposit of holding over 900 million barrels of crude and located offshore in the southern Gulf of Mexico, provoked a battle over who would run the project watched by U.S. investors as the latest test of President Andes Manuel López Obrador's comments to represent private contracts in the politically sensitive energy sector. Back in 2017, Talos discovered the Zama project, and after a successful auction, were granted rights under the previous Mexican administration. However, the block actually extended into a neighboring area run by Pemex which kicked off a series of contentious negotiations over how to divide the oil and who would run the operations. After this slew of negotiations and a number of bids, Mexico's energy minister had initially selected Pemex, the state-owned entity, over Talos, despite indication that Talos might be more technically suited to run the Zama project. Conversations had become so contentious that Talos had even initiated an arbitration claim against Mexico under the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement minted by the Trump administration. 
However, in the wake of that deal, the arbitration has been suspended and may well be dismissed in whole, assuming no further disputes arise out of the operation of the Zeno project. Next, let's talk about the situation concerning the Trinidadian government's decision to amend the COI terms of reference as it's forced to repay nearly $1 billion to a Brazilian company. Following the decision of Prime Minister Dr. Keith Rowley, a review was conducted of a contract in the factual record to inform and advise the Trinidadian people of the context so the people of Trinidad and Tobago could have the, quote, accurate and undisputed facts, end quote, placed before them. Zooming out for just a moment, the contract with the Brazilian contractor was for the construction of a highway extension from San Fernando Point, the single largest contract ever entered into by the state on this basis. However, as sometimes happens in construction projects, the work ran into snags, resulting in basically all work stopping. In fact, these events led to protests on or around the site with workers feeling that they had been abandoned in desperate survival conditions. According to the Prime Minister rally, in order to address these concerns, the government engaged in a number of negotiations with the contractor, which resolved the dispute by amending the contract between the parties. The revisions resulted in the deletion of the standard term used by the Trinidadian government, the FDIC Yellow Book, specifically Clause 15.2.E, and this was a major provision that apparently went unnoticed and had the effect of shifting control of the insurance bond from the government's control to the control of the contractors and thereby exposing public assets to increased liability. The attempt to avoid a formal dispute with the Brazilian company was ultimately to no avail as the Brazilian company was successful in pursuing a nearly $1 billion Brazilian dollar from the Trinidadian government. A couple of final points here. First, the government is reviewing and investigating its internal processes, and second, that the government of Trinidad and Tobago plans to appeal the arbitration award in its own courts, which sets up the Brazilian contractor for a lengthy enforcement battle. We'll give you any updates as they come along. From there, let's head to the Permanent Court of Arbitration, as the court has announced a new Secretary General, Mr. Marcin Sepelec. Mr. Hugo Hans Sibles was the preceding Secretary General, and the new Secretary General will assume his new responsibilities in the near future. The Secretary General of the PCA is the head of the PCA's International Bureau, composed of over 60 professionals holding 37 different nationalities who work from the PCA's headquarters in the Netherlands and its offices in Argentina, Austria, Mauritius, Singapore, and Vietnam. The Secretary General also represents the PCA externally, including in international settings. In addition, the PCA Secretary General fulfills functions vested in the Secretary General under the UNCENTRAL arbitration rules and various national laws pertaining to arbitration. The PCA Secretary General has also been designated as an appointing authority in numerous international treaties and contracts and may be called upon to act in that capacity by ad hoc agreements of the disputing parties. From there, let's head across the ocean to the African continent, and more particularly Lagos in Nigeria, for developments related to the Lagos Court of Arbitration and how it plays a central role in economic development. This points to an underscored comments by Mr. Sanwo Olu while giving comments at the 6th Annual Africa Conference on International Arbitration organized by the International Chamber of Commerce of Lagos. The theme for this year was African Arbitration, Consolidation and Transformation. The governor generally praised the arbitration community while also discussing the Arbitration and Mediation Bill, which is awaiting assent by President Buhari, which was accompanied by the declaration that the Lagos state is an arbitration-friendly destination. 
This is even more evident when considering the fact that Lagos, in addition to the Lagos Court of Arbitration, LCA, has established the National Center for Arbitration and ADR as a dispute resolution hub with the aim of promoting and servicing domestic, regional, continental, and international commercial dispute resolution industry with the full complement of ADR services. All of these institutions are working hand in glove with the state's judiciary to ensure prompt out-of-court resolution of disputes further bolstering Lagos as a major commercial hub. Lagos currently holds about 65% of the Federation's total industrial investment in foreign trade, while also attracting 70% of Nigeria's commercial activities. Simply put, Africa is an attractive investment destination with an influx of foreign investors who insist on arbitration as their preferred dispute settlement mechanism. It naturally makes sense to ensure that the infrastructure exists to facilitate the resolution of such disputes. In closing, the governor urged the ICC conference practitioners to address issues such as challenges of arbitrating in Nigeria and what a country must do to become an even more attractive destination. Some of the notable attendees of the conference include the president of the ICC, Ms. Claudia Solomon, president of the Nigerian Bar Association, Mr. Akpata, chairperson of the ICC, Ms. Dorothy Ufut, and a number of other dignitaries. As a final note, I will say that I personally saw a great deal of buzz and discussion about the conference all over news sites and social media channels. It certainly suggests that the groundwork is being done and the stage is being set for the African continent to be an ever-increasing hub of arbitration activity. Finally, before we get out of here for the week, one final comment, and it is more of a general observation, a caution to my colleagues in the international dispute resolution field. Look, I myself just came back from a conference. It was a good time. It was great to see old friends and colleagues face to face to talk um, over dinner, over drinks, and to have those sorts of great conversations. What I will say is that I urge my colleagues to not forget the lessons that we learned during the pandemic. That is to say, as much as these conferences may be a good time, a good opportunity to come together, we really must be thoughtful about how frequently we need to come together for one or two day conferences. Is it possible to maybe reimagine how some of these conferences work? Is it possible to, on the other hand, maybe anchor them uh, or put these events around anchor events that already last a week or 10 days or so? Maybe put them at the end or at the same time, or maybe even just before. All of that to say is that I'm not sure that people are willing to travel in the same capacity that they were before the pandemic. It's certainly not the same level of frequency. Look, that's just my two cents as an in-house somewhere in the world and knowing that, uh, you know, taking that time away from the remote office is difficult to do. So something to think about, especially considering the impact on the environment, considering all the ramifications there too. But I'd be curious to hear what you think if you want to sound off on LinkedIn or at talesofthetribunal.gmail.com. And well, that's it for this week's Digest. This was a great chance, a great opportunity to be back in the digital studio. We have another great episode ready for you this week with Owen Lawrence. I hope you'll tune in there. And we have another special guest episode that I was talking about last week that will premiere in your news feeds next week. So with that, drop us a line at talesofthetribunal.gmail.com. And until next week, this has been Disputes Digest by Tales of the Tribunal. None of the views shared today or in any episode of Disputes Digest is presented as legal advice nor advice of any kind. No compensation was provided to any organization or party for their inclusion on the show, nor do any of the statements made represent any particular organization, legal position, or viewpoint. All interviewees or organizations included appear on an arm's length basis and their appearance should not be construed as any bias or preferred affiliation with the host or host's employer. All rights reserved.